We are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution. Welcome to another episode of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. Today we are joined by two special guests and we will allow them to introduce themselves and we will take it from there. I'm Deidre and this is Hubert and we are the Boykins. We have been together for 10 years and married for seven um, next month. You want to add something? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Um, That'd be same way. It is. It's just been like um, one. (laughs) Yes. One just beautiful, long journey that was, that is good. Beautiful, long, great day. Oh, okay. Look at that. See? Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. So we met. um, Buford had decided that he wanted to be a foster parent. I'm a social worker by profession. And I used to do foster parent trainings. And he would show up late, sit in the back, not participate. And the first time he spoke, it was when I taught the lesson about not putting your hands on other people's kids. And so he, I was teaching the lesson. Badass kids, by the way. They talk about they stab you in the bedroom and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, well. Thank you. So um, the first time he spoke, it was like a six-week class. It was week five was the week on discipline. And he looked up and he was like, what do you mean we can't put our hands on them? They're going to come to our house and destroy all our stuff and we can't put our hands on them? And I was like... I really liked his name because it, it sounds like very phonetically correct, Buford Boykin. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Buford Boykin speaks. And um, Buford also is of the belief that um, he can get anyone. And so- <laughs> Gotta have a confidence, bro. Gotta have a confidence. Right. So um, he stayed after class one night for me to, photocopy some documents. <laughs> Background checking out. <laughs> so, anywho, um, he stayed and he was lingering and I, I had a boyfriend at the time and I was like, I thanks for waiting. Um, good night to you, sir. And I don't know if you guys remember that year, I think it was 2010 when all of the snow happened. Mm-hmm. So snow that was yeah. Snowmageddon. Yep. So that was right before Snowmageddon and I've learned this about Buford. He's um, he does everything in his time. So most foster parents take the class, get in all their paperwork within two months. We do a home study. We move forward. We're done. August comes around, and another colleague of mine was supposed to go do his home study. Yeah. Oh, my son, my oldest son. All right. That's right. So right. now I'm like. You know, I was just missing my kids. I don't really need no foster kid now. I got my son. <laughs> but uh, I done committed, you know, so maybe. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So another colleague of mine, thank you for that. It was very important to the story, like the layering. Um, another person was supposed to do his home study, but I was saving for something. And she was like, you go ahead and do it. Um, make the money. I show up at his house to do the home study. He's super inappropriate and flirty. And he's trying to prolong this home study. And I'm like, oh, all right. So 
She was in her little teacher clothes, you know, at the <laughs> class, you know, February. Whatever. But she came, and she had on this little blue shirt, whatever. I love that you remember what you color know? it was. She had a toe. I'm like, oh, the toe game straight. You know what I mean? Like, all right. It's like, damn, girl, you been working out? Like, shit. So who is this? This ain't Teacher Deidre right here. You know? And he was trying to make me stay and I, I had someplace else to be circle back for the second visit. Trez, that's our, our second son, was gone, which was super weird because he had just got to Maryland and had no friends. The house was all dimly lit and smelled <laughs> all good and there were candles. So I come in with the paperwork to get him to sign it. Did you. <laughs> uh, you, you spray some polo cologne in the air? It was, just, it, was. It, was all, it was all romantic in there. So the first thing I asked was like, where's your son? And he was like, oh, he went with his friends to six sides, which made absolutely no sense. And when I sat down, he was in full Mac mode. And I was like, no. So I had the spider light, right? <laughs> I didn't know it dimmed. I'm like, oh, when they come back. When she come back, she's gonna dim it. <laughs> so it was dark in the afternoon. And I was like, why is it so sexy in here? <laughs> I don't have any time for this. So after that, um, he started calling me and um, he's, I don't know if obnoxious is the right word, but his confidence was a little off-putting because he was very clear this is what he wanted to do. And even though I was like, no, he was still like, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. So he started calling and then we went out. Oh, another phone. My son, you know, I told my son. And um, I think because he saw her the first time. I like, look, man, I think I'm going to get with her. My son, you know, he was like, Dad, I think she's out of your league. Like, <laughs> she speaks proper. She's got like two, three degrees. Like, you sure? You know? He was trying to look out. He was trying yeah. to look out. <laughs> I'm like, son. Watch your dad work. All right, go ahead. Thank you. So anyways, we started dating. Um, after that, he ended up, I said, well, I can't date you because you're going to be a foster parent and it's going to be all these different things. So he was like, well, I don't need to be a foster parent anymore. <laughs> I'm like, a son, yeah. I don't and so, and, I, and if truth be told, he would have been a horrible foster parent. <laughs> I'd beat that little kid ass as soon as he did something wrong. <laughs> Maybe a month or so after that, he decided not to do the foster parent thing. And um, the rest, I guess, is history. We started dating. We dated for about three years. And then we got married. Yep. So you basically, you basically took your wife. You saw your wife and you took her. I knew it was going to be that. He says that and other people <laughs> say that. Um, I think when we talk about marriage, we we are very transparent, if it's okay with you. Um, Buford was not the best boyfriend at all. <laughs> you don't have to get so close to tell them how horrible you were. Don't you do You know, that. Atlanta's right there. I, that's all I can tell you. It's, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? You grew up in Atlanta and in, 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 in its prime and its peak, peak of its powers. So freak me. Mm-hmm. That's what I was getting ready to say. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, what are you supposed mm-hmm. to do? I mean, mm-hmm. American so, so let me ask this question since we started that. Where did you 
in terms of marriage, what were what what relationships did you see um, growing up, and then where did you get your um, your concept or your idea of marriage from? And both of you can answer that. Um, I didn't. I was raised by my grandmother. I think I can think of maybe one or two people who had their dad in the home when I was growing up. And so very um, single, independent, don't tell anybody anything. Like, I mean, Buford knew nothing about my finances until we got married. Like I never told him how much money we made. I made none of that. Um, so it's not even that I had bad examples. I just had no examples outside of what I had seen on TV. So my grandmother, you know, taught me to cook, taught me to clean because I'm supposed to get married, but there was nothing to look to as an example, which was different from him. Yeah. So um, I did um, grow up, um, my parents um, were married and um, basically my dad gave all his money to my mom. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, hey, you take care of it. And so that's where the transparency of finances came from, you know. Uh, he was a good husband, like spoiled my mother-in-law, um, adored my mother-in-law. Like, I don't know that you ever saw them really fight or him disrespect her, nothing like that. It was a good example. You get mad, like, listen, woman, that's <laughs> what it's going to be. And that was it. That was so, it. Um, definitely a a good example, oh, I would yes, say, yes, of marriage. Man's man type of dude, you know. So um, that's all I knew coming in. And uh, so that's why it was a discussion about finances. I'm like, hey, babe, how much money you make? You know, I didn't know you had this account, that account. You know, what's, what's going on here? Or whatever. And it was just for clarity, you know, because I didn't mind sharing. Plus, when we met, Social security number. Right, because I had done his home study, so I had all I, I couldn't even lie. So the good like thing about a lot of examples in your family of people who are have been married for 20, 30, 40 years. Yes. Um, so he had way more examples, even as I'm around them now, of like seasoned marriages, um, good marriages, marriages that had rough times that rebounded. Like there's all of this stuff and they're still together. Um Bible belt, you know. Yeah. Which, okay. Yeah, I think which is helpful because I didn't have that. What, so when you all met, what what was your what was your thinking about marriage? Like, was it something that was like, ah, if it happens, it happens, or did you like, okay, cool, I got a five year plan, and you know, I got a timeline? Because you so, said you dated for three years, right? Uh huh. Right. Okay. So yeah. I've, I've been married before. Um, got married way too young. Um, and um, had children out of that marriage. And so coming in, coming into our relationship, I was like, she's wife and material, but I'm not ready to get married. So that's where I wasn't the best boyfriend. So my first wife didn't do it. So didn't, didn't do what I was supposed to do um, when it came to being faithful. <laughs> And it's so pretty the way I, you put that. You, I came into this, into this relationship, mm -hmm. you know. You had, war wound, you had war wounds at this point. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and and he continued to, to do that. To like do in, that. A, in a in a concentrated way. It's horrible. I mean, she just ride or died with me, and she shouldn't have, you know, but she should have, but she she did. And I'm glad she did, you know what I mean? But um I always knew that she was the one that was just about me. 
getting my act together. So what, so, made, so what was like the what was like the 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 the, uh, the fork in the road where it's like, yo, I need to get my act together, or I'm gonna keep living this path. Like, what what was the fork in the road? Um, can I start and then you can finish? Yeah. Um, to and including now, we're moving to Georgia, and it dawned on me last week. Buford got relocated for work when he was in his first marriage and has been out of Georgia since how long? 15 years. 15 years. And Buford's plan or desire, his heart's desire has always been to get back to Georgia. And so for myself and the poor women that he dated before me, after the divorce, we were just placeholders because he really just wanted to be in Georgia with his kids. And um, in his mind, like if I get back to Georgia, everything will be okay. So, um, I guess around right about two years, 10 months, um, he had lost his job and he kept saying, you know, I could just never find a job in Georgia. I mean, if I would find a job in Georgia and you would move to Georgia and all of this stuff. And I said, well, do you ever just use your mother's address on your resume? And then maybe, you know, and it was like, Psh. so he, he used his mother's address and got a job in Georgia. And um, he was like, babe, you're gonna come to Georgia? And I was like, yes. But I said, yes, I'm gonna come. And we, we were living together at the time and we packed up his truck and he went to Georgia. Yeah, so she had no intention of going to Georgia. I didn't know that. Wow, um, that's tough. And so, but-, but there's, no, a, there's a reason why reason. though. So yeah, mm -hmm. crazy, crazy. There's just too much drama. Mm -hmm. um, you guys know me, so you know, like yeah. drama's not where I live. Yeah. Just too much drama, too much unresolved stuff. And I loved him, but I, I tell people this all the time. I think about two weeks, maybe a month prior. We're just going to keep it real for the boys. Okay. Some girl showed up at my house, not knowing that it was my house. And when I opened the door, was kind of shocked, like, hello. And I'm like, you're here on my porch. This is going to end poorly. And it just, at that moment, it did. I was like, anyways, um, at that moment, I said to God, like, I'm done. Like, I, I've done this for almost three years. He's just, he wants to be in Georgia. And I remember shortly after that praying, and I'm like, I'm done. Release me, re release me. And he got the job in Georgia. So I took that as, okay, thank you, Jesus. Off he goes. So I didn't want to cause him any drama. I just wanted him to go. And he had also got a higher paying job here in Maryland, but he was so pressed to go to Georgia. He took the lower paying job and went to Georgia. He loves to say romanticize. So I was romanticizing how it would be in Georgia when I come back, right? So went to Georgia, uh, took the job, and um, was trying to co-parent with my ex-wife. And what the Lord showed me was, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna put you exactly where you want to be, and I'm gonna show you how it's going to be. And at the time she worked up two weeks on first shift, which is a seven to three, and two weeks on second shift, which is a three to 11. So I was blessed with a first shift job. And so what I told her was, hey, listen, you know, when you're on second shift, I'll make sure the children are straight, you know, I'll, I'll homework done, I'll make sure they get something to eat, you don't have to worry about it because when we did converse on the phone, it was always, oh, what well, was me? I got to do all of this stuff. Da, 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 da. 
So I'm there in a position to do all of it. And it's like, no, I don't want you to come to my house. I have a boyfriend. Da, 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 da. What? Okay, you can have a boyfriend. I don't, I just, like my kids, right? No, 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 no. So I'm there for two and a half weeks and I'm not even seeing my children, you know? So one day, um, my son, the oldest out of the three, was at a birthday party. It was like maybe 14 at the time or something like that. And um, I went to go get him and I'm crying. I'm like, you know, I'm tired, man. I- I've done everything. I've, I've left everything that I know that's good to come here and be with you guys. You guys are the priority. And I don't even see you guys. You know this. I'm, I'm at my mom's house which I'm willing to do. Um, and I never get to see you. You know, I buy everything at your house and I can't even play play with you with the toys I buy. It's ridiculous, you know, and I get my other, my, my, uh, my other two children and I'm just crying with them. And I'm like, you know, dad can't keep doing this. So if I stay here, somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to jail. So I can't, I can't take this. This is ridiculous, you know, um, I've been dealing with this for years and years and years. So, um, um, I ironically I told him not to turn down the job in Maryland. Go see, push out the start date. Go see if you want to be there. See if you like the job. But tell these people you'll start. I believe it was August because he had gotten both offers. And I want to say the job in Maryland was like twenty thousand. Yeah, more it was a significant. <laughs> but you, I mean, you wanted to be with your kids, right? Yeah, that, yeah. And so um, the job in Georgia was trash. The situation in Georgia was trash. Um, you're a grown man and you're in the bedroom that you grew up in because the, the money's not right. You're paying child support. You're doing what you're supposed to do. The check is small, all of the things. And um, so he decided to come back. So when he was driving back from Georgia, it was it was night. I think it it had gotten so bad that he was just like, I'm gonna leave right now. I'm not even gonna wait till the morning. So mom was like, That's your wife. And you need to go get her. Your mother, and, your mother, your mother said this. Yes, 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 because she's a praying woman too. And um, so she was like, That's your wife, you need to go get her. And I'm like, okay, mama. Let me go to the family reunion. She was like, and after the family reunion, you need to get in the car and go and drive all night. I don't care. You don't need to wait. I'm like, but mom, she was like, look, don't nobody love you like me. You're my only son, my only child, and you need to go because this place is toxic for you. And she doesn't mean you any good. She doesn't want you to have a relationship with your children, and she's trying to destroy you. So you need to leave now. So he he drove and, you know, again, being ride or die. I talked to him on the phone, like all the way back. And somewhere, I don't know, was it in North Carolina or where was it? Um, I want to say South Carolina. So we were on the phone. and he I think was I saw it at the University of Clemson. Oh, Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. On, the right um, side. on the drive back, he said, do you want to get um, married? I was like, yeah, okay, well, let's do it. And um, six weeks later, we got married. Uh, so like, there was no reason to wait. We had been together for a while. He asked me frequently since we've been married, why I did it? I don't really know why, because there was no, the data 
was not in our favor. Well, let me clarify. So we were talking and um, she stayed up all night purposely because, you know, it's like an 11 hour drive. So she didn't want me to fall asleep or whatever. So we were, had been talking and I thanked her for letting me come back and the social work, um, human behavior piece in her knew that I needed clarity and closure with my children in Georgia so I could move forward. So she knew I loved her. You know, she wasn't the off-brand chick. You know, she wasn't the Monday, Tuesday chick, you know. I got the weekends. She's right. Exactly. Prime time, holidays, all that good stuff. You know what I mean? So Valentine's Day, not the 15th. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So she knew that. So basically it was once we went through all that, I was like, you know, I knew you were the one and I'm ready now. You know, it wasn't me being with other people wasn't because I wasn't satisfied what I had. It was the I don't want to be here forever and this woman is not going to move. So don't let me plant my flag here because I got to go back and reconcile with my boys. You know, I got to see if that's going to work. So my heart was in two places. And once I, I, that was clear to me that this is some bullshit. <laughs> and if you stay here, you're going to be dead in jail. Something, something's going to happen. And um, so I was able to move forward. And she knew that. So that's where the, you know, me asking her to marry me and um, her saying yes, because she knew I was sincere. So to, to y'all, y'all's point, you coming back from Georgia, going going back to Maryland, you ask her in the car on the way up, and, and a few weeks later, you all get married. I needed six weeks to plan. Six amazing. To, okay. Amazing. And so with, with, that, with, that, with that being said, was there ever like a conversation about a timeline? Like, listen, Buford, you have to marry me by here, no, or were y'all just kind of vibing? Listen, and it man. Just worked out. I, I listen. I, I'm telling you. I asked to marry in the car. I went to sleep. I woke up. I was married. It was that quick. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> That's not what he said. He's saying that I put him. <laughs> that, that is the story he tells. He doesn't know when I got a marriage license. He's not sure he's really married. All he knows is that he showed up at the tuxedo and there were people there. Um. To your point, no, I didn't put a timeline on it. When we would argue, Buford would say, I'm going to marry you. And my response was, nobody asked you for that. Like, nobody asked you. I think because of previous relationships, I knew that there was, it doesn't really work when you put people on the clock because you're going to either force them into something they're uncomfortable with, they're going to say yes, but they're not happy. And the one thing I knew about Buford was, and that's probably why I say, said yes, is he wouldn't have asked if he wasn't ready. He just wouldn't have, because he was very clear that he was never getting married again. So, I mean, and let me be clear, he asked me to marry him. That was a Saturday night. I had an engagement ring the following Wednesday or Thursday. So like, it wasn't, he asked me to marry him because my grandmother taught me a, a proposal is not a proposal without a ring. And so he asked me, and then it was the following Friday, he took me to dinner and he actually proposed with a ring and did all of that. So knowing Buford, and and we talk about this all the time when other people see and look at us together, 
they know that he, no one thought Buford was going to get married again. No. Buford didn't think Buford was going to get married again. And when we were dating, I, I've shared this with my girlfriends. I just didn't want to, um, I tolerated a lot because I just didn't want to go on another first date. I have single friends and dating looks horrible. Like it's just horrible. And so to me, uh, much like, you know, our former workplace, the evil, you know, like this was the evil I know. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't willing to go back out on a date and tell someone my favorite color and talk about my life. I just didn't want to do that. And so even when I told him go, I wasn't even thinking about dating again. It was just like, this is it. Um, but I never, ever said to him, like, you have three months to marry me or yeah, he wouldn't have. And that would have just been an exercise and he would have said yes, but he wouldn't have meant it. And it would have been, okay, it's year four. We're not married. It's year five. We're not married. So. Mm, that clock, that clock start ticking, man. <laughs> I don't think that that's real. And like yeah. we, we counsel couples and when you hear those ultimatums, that's why mm -hmm. you're sitting in front of us because you force somebody into doing something. The other thing I think that's is- That's what happened in my first marriage. Yeah, there was a clock. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I think is where people struggle with marriage and relationships is, and I use the same example every time. When I was dating Buford, he had like a dining table with those wicker chairs. And when he was <laughs> from work- Play the player. Yeah, he was, he was. He had the spider lamp, the leather couch, the wicker chairs. He was living his best bachelor. He had a red leather couch, man. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. It was black. It was not comfortable. Black. So you weren't supposed to stay. Like it wasn't plush, but it looked really good. Uh, we moved it into our house together. It lasted like six months. I was like, this cannot stay here. Yeah. This is that like, you can't take a nap on it. It's just horrible. But um, he would come in from work and he would take off his like outer layer and lay it over the chair. And I hate it. And I was like, who gets undressed at the front of their house? And now we're married. And he gets home, he takes off his clothes and he hangs it over the banister. How dare I be mad about that in our marriage when this is what he was doing when we were dating. He has been consistent. He hasn't changed. When people start, well, there's one, the most important way that he's changed is the one that counts. But in those little habits and the things that you do that wear on a marriage, that cause problems in a marriage, my first question is, was he doing this when you were dating? If the answer is yes, marriage doesn't change who a person is. Oh, say so, that one more time. Say that one more time. <laughs> marriage one more time. doesn't change who a person is. So all of the things that were us when we were dating are us when we're married. And so if it's me talking to you like I'm a social worker, I was doing that when we were dating. But that's always who I've been. So now we're married and that's a problem. Marriage doesn't change people who you dated, if you choose to marry them, is who they're going to be. We've improved, we've grown, we've matured, but at our core, we're still Deidre and Beaver. I was born to be married. Um, <laughs> I, I was. Um, you need that support? <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, that's, that's why I grew up, like, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, it was just marrying the right person, you know, and, and once you know you know, that's the right person, then you just, it becomes natural and easy. Yeah, that, and that's a good point. A lot of times people are like, the first year of your marriage is so hard. 
we didn't experience that. Um, it's not always like a bed of roses and we argue and all of that, but this work that people talk about with marriage, it's not a job. It's just kind of what we do. Do we have to check in? Do we have to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do? Absolutely. But is it like, I have never, and the Boykins by birth, Bella, Buford, all of them, they have way more words than I do. But I've never ever felt like I don't want to come home. I've never thought, oh God, I have to go home to him. I would hope you don't. Okay, thanks. I'm good. I just wanted to check in. I said it, wanted to make sure. <laughs> but it's never been hard to come home. Never. And so I think where a lot of single people struggle, because I, I was single far longer than I've been married, is there's this romantic notion that people have about marriage that isn't real. Um, and then there's, I said this to a single friend last week, I was with another married woman and they were talking about, I'm never going to get married and look at you and Buford and so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so, and it's different. And I, and we both said, yeah, but you wouldn't have made the choices we made because you have this ideal of this man has to have this job and look this way and do these things and whatever. So if you were to marry, meet somebody with a child, that would be a no for you. Or if you were to meet somebody who was divorced, that would be a no for you. Mm -hmm. Or he didn't go to college or he wasn't Greek or whatever your thing is. So you, you put yourself into this box and there's not a lot of people who can fit in this box. And that's why you're single. So it's not because there aren't good men out there. It's that you have this ideal that it's very hard for anyone to live up to. And that's where you struggle. Yeah, we, we in most of our uh, conversations that we've had around relationships, we often cover the idea of fake expectations mm -hmm. or expectations are so high, not even God can hit them. And it's like, right. ah, you're looking for something and you're looking in the wrong places because you've already identified what it is that you don't want um, mm -hmm. to the point where you don't know what it is that you do want. Exactly. And so it, could you talk to us about boundaries? What type of boundaries have you had to set um, <laughs> to protect your marriage? Whether it's like, yo, friends don't really need to know that we just had a uh, disagreement when we get in the car, everything is hunky dory or no, nah, we going to tell them this shit and I'm going to tell them why. And then we going to resolve it. Like what type of boundaries did you, did you establish so that, you know, the Boykins will always be good? Well, I can say from a geographical standpoint, <laughs> you know, like we lived in Maryland. <laughs> I mean, she's from Toronto. Yeah. She's from the top of the map. I'm from the bottom of the map, like literally. Right. And we met in the middle. So our families have to travel to us and they have to say, hey, we coming because if we're not there, they, they, it's a long trip. Right. <laughs> so so it's just like we've been in a little cocoon where we've been able to work on ourselves um, yeah. mm -hmm. and build. Um, we both have strong personalities. You know, she's this. this I mean, strong woman, you know, don't need a man type thing or person, um, personality wise, right? Um, which is good. But at the same time, 
we've learned, I say the key is knowing us. We have been transparent with each other and we've realized who we are. And that has helped us develop boundaries and create boundaries that we really didn't even have to identify. But we have identified them. But it's, it's more like everybody else knows Buford and Deidre is one. And if you try to come in there, then we'll shut you down. And that's anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. Mother, kids, kids whoever. This is us. And we don't, I don't talk with anybody about arguments or disagreements. Um, we have one couple that married us that we're accountable to, and we've really never had to use because we've been okay. Like we check in, and then I have a, my best friend has been married. Great for, counseling, though. Yeah, they, 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 and that's imperative. I you mean, have to have premarital counseling. I didn't have that in my first marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so beautiful. You say you didn't have that in your first marriage, but right. I guess what 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 changed when you when you all actually went through pre- premarital counseling. Like, I guess, what, what were the differences? Well, I think it was the questions that were asked. Mm-hmm. And when they brought those questions and we had to answer those questions, there were tough questions. And it was questions of clarity to make sure that, hey, you know, she has a son. Do you do you like him? Right. You know, and I'm like, what? You know, like, who, who are you to ask me that to, and my, to myself? But there was relevant questions that that needed to be answered and it needed to be answered in front of everyone so everyone could see and elaborate on that answer so it wasn't just said yes well tell me tell me how you like him tell give me some examples you know what are you doing to foster that relationship you know the other thing um bj and aisha did like we told you it was a six week from engagement to marriage and they had a curriculum and they weren't going to marry us unless we found time in that six weeks to do the right. six classes. So we had to do the six sessions with them during that time. And one of the things that, and they even went as far as to set us up with another couple who were a blended family because they weren't, and they wanted to give us those tools. But one of the things that I thought was interesting to Buford's point about me being independent, he said in our counseling, um, he said something like, I don't think she needs me she, or she doesn't need me. Like I came, she had a house, she has a job. And I was like, wow, that's deep. And it, it just made me be very mindful of how easy it is to emasculate a man and what that looks like in your marriage. It wasn't about emasculating. It was about my first marriage and how she needed everything. I had to do everything. So I wasn't used to her saying, I got it. Uh, oh, this we is went on I... our first date and we were on a date for the whole day. Yeah. And so we did like 15 activities. So at some point I started paying. We agreed to go to the movies. Now we went to the movies, bowling. We've eaten twice. We've done all these things. I don't know his finances, but this couldn't have been his plan. He wasn't planning a $300 date. So at some point I was like, no, okay, this is dinner number two. I got it. And I'm shaking. (laughs) (laughs) 
And to me, it was, it's supposed to be a partnership, I guess, even though I didn't see marriages, I watch enough TV that like the Huxtables always seemed like they were in it together. And so I thought that that was what it was supposed to be. And I didn't think you said that about emasculating, but that's a common thing people say, um, specifically about black women. We don't need anything. You ain't shit. And, and it was always our commitment and we said it in our vows that it was us against the world. So if one of us is struggling, the other one is always gonna hold it down. And you, if you're outside, you're not gonna know. Like you are not gonna know that there's an issue. We're not gonna go to work and tell people there are problems or call our friends or our family members and tell people there are problems. If we were to wake up tomorrow morning and say we're getting divorced, people would be like, wait, what? Because there was no inkling that there were any issues because to your point, if we're gonna fight on the way somewhere, when we get there, we're gonna put on the face, we're gonna do what needs to be done, and then we're gonna get back and continue our fight. Like we press pause and get in the car and fight all the way home. Um, and I think that's one of the, the big things. And I also think with boundaries, there's the family boundaries. Like I, my mother passed, my father passed, I'm the matriarch of my family, and so, my brothers are it for me and my son is it for me, but there's, there's boundaries. We made a rule early on in our marriage. If it's over, what is it? $200. We got to talk about it. We can't just be giving people money because we have it to give. So if it's $200, okay, go for it. But it's over $200. No one's going to say no, but can you, can we talk about it just to put that stuff in place? Because it's easy, right? It's easy to people from the outside not knowing to come in and be in the middle. And we've, we've had to put some, we had to agree on boundaries and then we could be a united front if someone else, you know, came in and asked right. questions. So even on that, like even now, now she's coming to Georgia, right? So now it's the parent, it's the kid, and it's boundaries. So we're gonna we're gonna behave as if we're in Maryland, not be antisocial, but you gotta call before you come. Gotta call before you come. Bottom line. Because my job is to make Deidre feel as comfortable as possible. She did not have to move to Georgia. She would have been perfectly in her rights to be like, you know, I just wanna stay here. You know, she's been in America. In the city. Right. With all the city things. You know. So <laughs> it is a standalone Starbucks for you, for the record. Uh, like less than There wasn't. Out. There wasn't but before. It is now. I'm so glad. Moving on up. <laughs> Moving on up. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so what would be what would be some advice that you now would give to your just married selves? So I would say, and I think this goes for everybody, be who you were when you were dating. Be who you were when you was trying to impress and you were trying to, when you were trying to You're get that, that at some point. when you were trying to get that girl, when you were trying to get that guy, you know, it, it takes, that's the work. Uh, it doesn't have to be work, but don't be complacent. You know, nah, is, is it work or is it consistency? Oh, consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with that. I'm with yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Nice. So it's just like that muscle, right? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you, you have to do that. You don't want to be complacent. 
Uh, you don't want to take each other for granted. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we've done. And which we've done. And we had to check each other to say, hey, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, you was in the kitchen. I mean, you was doing this thing. I mean, you was a power woman and cooking. I mean, what the hell happened? You know what I mean? A two hour commute, one branch happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It'll change your life. That commute changed your life. It'll make you rethink a whole lot of stuff. So much time to think. I also think I would say, I would give myself the advice that sometimes because in my mind, like I had to do it by myself, I wouldn't tell him when things were bothering me. And then they would like layer on top of layer on top of layer. And because Buford is more of a, um, verbal processor he's like what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong nothing 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 and then one day it's just like and then he's just like whoa I didn't know all of these things so I've I've had to work more because to me I thought that was like nagging and so I just was like I'm never going to be a nagging wife but it was it's not so much nagging as us communicating like this bothers me um this whatever and i think we've done better with that because if it's something consistently that bothers me he'll he'll be like okay i know that bothers you we won't we won't do that or or i'll talk to them so it won't be that thing right because communication is the key you know most most relationships whether they're married or not or or yeah friendships married, friendships or whatever it's miscommunication that's that's where where it falls apart and this is my best friend exactly you know, um, one of the things I can say that carried over into the counseling um, or carried over in our marriage from the counseling is they said, watch your words. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't take words back. Um, be cognizant of when you're arguing, right there. you know, you cannot take stuff back. So, you know, you, you just have to watch that because you don't mean those things. But then once you say them. Mm-hmm. You can say sorry all day long. You said it. But you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Good. That's that's good. That's good advice. What what practical things would you tell individuals that are looking to get married that they need to be prepared for in marriage? You have to be prepared for. Go ahead. Um, you have to be prepared for when you marry someone, you marry their family. You, you marry the good and you marry the bad of their family of origin, whatever trauma came before. Mm. And if you don't know that, it can hit you in a way that is not cool. Um, and I think we knew most everything. Um, I know that Buford struggled with my relationship with my mother because his mother is like mom extraordinaire. And so he always quietly judged me, he won't say it, but quietly judged me because um, my relationship with my mom wasn't as close. And before we got married, I had to sit down and tell him why, because he he just couldn't get it and to the point where I think he thought I was like disrespectful in a way. Yeah, like, come on, come on. So I had to tell him like, this is why my brothers and I are so tight. This is why we call my grandmother my mother, because these were all the things that happened. And so if you don't tell somebody like, you you know, you send your representative when you're dating, you you send your representative. And so 
if I didn't tell him like there was this history here that I was a little broken by, it would have been hard to reconcile in a marriage. And I remember um, his mom, because of mostly because of what happened with the, the first missing boyfriend, really would try very hard to be really tight with me and wanted me to call her mom and all of that I stuff. Got, I, got to say I would like to finish what I'm saying. So I would funny. really like to finish my thought. No, I don't want to say You're going to say something <laughs> I don't know that I want you to say. Okay. He was at work or something. Mom was there because she decided to come <laughs> after we got married. Like, that's our honeymoon time. But hey, can I stay with you for a week? And so she's there. And um, so the sliding doors, right? They had these blinds that you would turn. The vertical blinds. The vertical blinds that would turn like this, right? So I think, yeah, my mom turned it and one of the slats fell off. And she was like, oh my God, you got to fix that before she get home. This is the daughter-in-law I need. I don't want to mess it up. Da, 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 da. So she was so upset because she did not want any issues. And I'm saying to myself, the issue is you healed. (laughs) (laughs) I consented to that, but it was. It was she was so on edge by what had happened before. And then because I had like my own mommy issues, it took her a while to understand. Like, I don't call my mom mom, so I'm not calling someone else mom. That's not about you. That's about me. And I got to work through it. And his grandmother, who I adore, um, you know, just adore. And, but I would talk to her and it would make me sad because I was so close with my grandmother. So it would be weeks before I would talk to her. And so they had to learn that, like, he had to share with them, you know, Deidre struggles with this, you know, so that they could understand that. And likewise, he had to explain, like, my mom is used to being the center of the universe. And if you know, she's going to get in the business. So we had to be a united front on, okay, boundaries. Like, I get it. You're the only child. Your mom's the only child. My father-in-law died when Bella was six months old. And so she's a widow and, you know, she's incredibly dependent on us. And we had to learn how to reforge that in a way where he wouldn't feel like, oh, you don't like my mama. Or I wouldn't feel like, oh my God, not again, and and figure that out. And I think we've worked, I don't think I would be moving to Georgia if that wasn't in a good place, especially moving literally maybe 15 minutes from um, where, is it about that? Why my strength? (laughs) She's so good with human behavior. She has a way of explaining uh, my family to me. And, it was harsh realities that she had to explain, but knowing that she loved me like she do, and knowing that she actually went to school for this shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, wow, so that is right. You know, and then me being mature enough to understand it, you know what? And no man wants to be told about his mother. Like y'all don't want to hear that. That's and wild. so, you know, you have to be mindful about how- We you can see. say it, you can't see it. Right. right. <laughs> even up to and including that day when he's mad at his mom, I just sit silently and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even say anything. I'm not even going to agree. I'm just going to sit silently and let you say what you want to say and say like, interesting, is that so? I also think that um, one of the things that is incredible 
incredibly important is the fact that we have learned to like give each other the space we need. So when Buford met me, like I love Jesus with my whole heart. And more than Jesus, I really enjoy church and I can go to church every single day for hours of every, like we're missing church now, but it's cause I love you guys. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm missing church. We appreciate it. We appreciate that. And he didn't understand it till the last maybe two or three years, but he just let me do it. There were always boundaries. Like you're not just going to be out shouting with these people till the middle of the night, but because they will, they will. I'm back. I'm Baptist now, and I understand. I understand. Yes. I'm tired. I'm going home. I don't want to sing right. this song anymore. But he would just, <laughs> he would just let me let me do that because that was important to me, and likewise things that are important to him. So there have been times when. He wanted to go to Georgia. I, I just can't, but I'm not going to say don't go. Like, I, I just, those are the things that are important to you, whether it's church, whether it's playing video games for hours on end, whether it's hanging out with your friends, like y'all know my girls and we go hard and I'm not here. And he's always been um, like, go, because when I'm here, this is it. Like we're all in this house is um, a cave for some reason. So I have to go outside to talk on the phone. So we don't, we're here, we are just here. And it's not because it's an unhealthy balance. It's because if the foundation isn't sure, mm -hmm. nothing else outside of this will work. And um, I think that's one of the things people don't get. Like when you put other people in your marriage, when you put other people in the middle of things, then they stay in the middle of things. They have their own agenda. Mm -hmm. They want what they want. Uh, whoever it is, right? And it, it's not intentional. They may not be intending to cause a rift in your marriage, but they want what they want. And I think another thing is my single friends, his single friends are incredibly respectful of our marriage. And I've seen other things where people are always saying, like, you don't get to give me advice, you're not married. But they never would. Um, a perfect example is one of our friends needed, um, he's all of our husbands. So when there's like things to fix and things to do, he'll go and help them out. And we were joking about it today because she didn't text him and ask him. She asked me, can Buford come and help me do this stuff? And I- hey Guys, listen, <laughs> it was on a certain side of the menu. Okay. Okay. You're <laughs> so inappropriate. Basically- Anyways, you're so silly. It's Stop saying true. that. Um, but she just was respectful enough. They have a relationship. But to ask me, is it okay if Buford comes over and lays out this sod for me? I'm like, I don't know why you're asking me. I'll, I'll ask him. But they're all, and the same with his, his guy friends. They're so incredibly respectful of our marriage that there's never a doubt. There's never a concern I, I've never thought, oh, if I, if you go over here, if you do anything with, if you're out with so-and-so, there's going to be a problem. And then the bigger part we alluded to, like he was not the best boyfriend. He made a commitment to me and to God when we got married. And it's never been anything but that. There's never been a concern about a woman or any kind of inappropriate stuff. Because again, he wasn't going to get married if he wasn't ready. And people get married when they're not ready all the time and we see what that looks like. And so that is one of the things that I'm thankful for. 
And now I think because we've, he's not going to go to church as long as I do. He still has boundaries on that. But <laughs> Stand your ground. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, in the last two years, two and a half years, has been way more open and has built his relationship with God like in an amazing way where he's still his inappropriate self all the time. But we all fall short. We all fall short, Deidre. We all fall short. No, but I always tell my friends, he's a regular dude who loves Jesus. So we aren't in here competing to be anything. We're just kind of really good at who we are. And one of the things that I think people struggle with is that our foundation is built on God. And I know that that makes things a lot easier. But I think since we've both been on the same page, um, even though our expressions are different, it, it's made our marriage a lot easier. Um, it flows. Um, in That's fact, he's like super churchy now, That's like he's Bible like, Bob, like, like, and I don't really care for it, but I'm trying to work through it. It's, for me, I know how my first marriage ended. I was like, Lord, if you bless me with another family. Um, so I made a covenant, you know, a covenant with God. And I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to. And he blessed me in so many ways to where I don't even, of course, we all got eyes, you know, look at somebody else. But it's like, hey, babe, look at that. Right, You're sharing the experience. Hey, yeah. You know what I mean? My best friend right here. But yeah. at the same time, the desire—you know—it's all geared towards my wife. You know, like it's no other woman that I want to be with. Period. And that's—I didn't understand the way love and Jesus work. You know, like God is love. When they say that God is love. Uh, okay, yeah, that's the truth. And he'll show you and open up that gateway to where it's it's just a different level of love that that you have. Seriously, seriously. Like, I want people to understand that. Like, you can be a regular dude. You know what I mean? You don't, because in the South, it's so distorted. You got to be all the way saved. You got to wear suits every day. You got to wear all the Steve Harvey collection every right. Sunday. Harvey and you say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. No, you got to have a relationship. Right. You know, and, and, and once you have that, he'll guide you and direct your path in everything that you do, including your marriage. To that point, you guys know me from work. And there's a different Deidre that presents herself at work because of what I do and where I am. I always tell people, like, my last name is Boykin. He is the head. I believe that, like, okay, see, I said it. You didn't have to do all of that. Uh, <laughs> he is the head. Like, I, I believe it. This is my husband. This is my covering. So if it's, are we going out? Yeah, let me just check with Buford. Not because he's going to say no or, or whatever, but I'm, I submit to my husband and it's not hard to do because he leads well. And a lot of times what people are like, I don't want to be submissive. I don't want to do things. That's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Because if it's God first and then our marriage, I submit to him because he submits to God. And so when he's, if he strays from that, then we can have a different type of conversation. But the Deidre that is out there at work, 
is different than like Mrs. Boykin. Like he is the head and a lot of people think that you can't be powerful in other places and be submitted in your marriage. And I don't know that marriage works if I'm trying to be the head. Because submission doesn't necessarily mean that he's above you. Right. Like I think people get it misconstrued sometimes. It doesn't mean like he's your ruler. No. <laughs> right. You know, it does, that, that's not what it means. And so I think people don't have a true understanding of what submission really means. Well, to be honest with you, the way that I saw marriage in my in my home, look, she runs everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just the guy that make the big decision. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, right. That's, okay. she does all the minutia. She does all the. I keep the, the machine going. Right. Okay. Like, she does all that. You know, this is what we're going to do today. Okay, babe. You know, but when it comes to shit hitting the fan, I make those big decisions. Look, babe, this will be. Go over here. So, so, who's the engine and who's the transmission if this is a vehicle that's running smooth sailing? Um. I'm the trans- transmission makes it move. The engine starts it up. Yep, mm-hmm. that's it. I'm the transmission. transmission. Mm-hmm. But I think that when you talk about when we, when I listen to my single girlfriends talk and I listen to all of these things, I'm like, yeah, that's the problem, guys. You just don't get the base of it. And for those of us who are raised by single moms, it's hard to understand that, especially if it was. Um, you know, don't tell him about stuff. Keep right. secrets, you know, because yeah, secrets are dark. <laughs> um, because you're always planning to leave. Like there's one way out of this marriage and it's a, in a box. If I got to kill him, that's how it is. But there's one way, there's one way out. Sound like some, Just so we're clear. Disciples, man. Just so we're <laughs> clear, right? Because <laughs> divorce is not an option. Yeah. So we're going to work it out. We're going to sleep in different rooms. You sleep upstairs. I sleep downstairs, whatever it is. But divorce is not an option. And we definitely aren't breaking up over something someone said or something one did. If someone tells me Buford says, hey, I'm going to know whether or not it's true because I know him. But before I get all upset, I'm, hey, babe, did you go out and say, and he can tell me what it like it is. We, when you make divorce an option, then it's an option. And some people, even though they don't say it, came in like, well, if this doesn't work out, I can always get divorced. Like well, they got a safety button or something right. like that. Yeah. And, and there's, we're out here, no, no net. We're on the high wire, no net. Like, so we got to make it work. And so we joke. I was like, well, I can live in the Southeast. So if Georgia doesn't work out, I'm just going to move to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll I don't think you want to be in Florida right now, though. Like <laughs> no, not now. <laughs> Ten years from now, when they figure this out. Final question: um, What song would you use to describe your marriage? No, I don't know. I don't know. It's been, we've ch- it's changed. You're all I need. It would be that. You're all I need. Yeah. The original version. Marvin and, then, and Tammy. Marvin and Tammy. <laughs> Marvin and Tammy. Nothing, nothing, nothing Mary. Yeah, for one, we're drinking out the red cups, then the remix. Fair, fair. fair. <laughs> you know, Marvin we're, and we're, Tammy, that's the champagne glass. Right. But, but you need a red cup, though. You right. need a red cup. I think that's it. I think that, like, I don't see anything without you. I just don't. We're going to grow all together. 
we're going to be measurable together if that's what it is, or we're going to be, you know, I think <laughs> what's so interesting is Buford's very grabby, <laughs> like just grabby, slappy, grabby, oh, all of those things. And it became apparent to me that it was something that everyone knew so that so much so that his mother, I don't know where we were going, but we were going to be around people. It was Bella's christening. She had to give him a talk. Like, don't you go in there and slap Deidre's up. Don't do it. Like, cause he does it all the time. And I think what you expect when you're with the Boykins is that we're going to be who we are and it's going to be fun and it's going to be all of that, but that's who we are when well, no one's around. No show, you know, when I'm with you, I'm with you. And I told her, I love hard. You know, so and I told her, I'm like, look, I know I've been doing Shitty. all stupid shit, but Shitty. once I'm on the other side of that, I'm telling you, it's gonna be deep. And he did say that. He promised me that, and it and it has been like sometimes I'm like, just give me some space, let me live. And he's just like, you know, you okay? You okay? You okay? Um, so I think it is. I think it's your all I need. Because we've been through some things. We've illness, a lot of death. Um, in both of our families, a, a five-year-old in our forties, good God from glory. <laughs> you, did you say in her forties? <laughs> no, we're in our forties. And so you can be five-year-olds when you're in your thirties and your twenties. So I don't think a five-year-old is easy at no age, man. That'll probably yeah. be me. That'll probably be me. And my son was five. Jesus. <laughs> and, and we're tired all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Like, so, um, but I, I think that we, we've proven in every situation that we're in. So that's it. Awesome. Man, well, we appreciate y'all, man. This has been insightful. Insightful, man. Yeah, I think we're going to drink some more and put these kids to bed. Nice. More red cups. Now we're going to break out the red cups. We already have them. <laughs> yes. So you mentioned, you mentioned that you counsel clients, I mean, uh, couples. Um, are you opening your services to anyone that's listening and be like, Hey, I think I want some counseling. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Especially now in the age of telehealth. Um, so you have my contact information. Most people make appointments through um, my email. Um, maybe one day Ronald will help me build a website. I got to get my life together, I see what but we, we have a pretty healthy practice. Okay. Um, and we see couples and, you know, I do weddings and things like that. So I think our favorite is premarital counseling because it's like everyone's happy. And then we do the wedding and then we try to follow the couple because we feel strongly about like anyone we marry being under our covering. And so we won't marry people we don't think are ready, which is an uncomfortable conversation money. But um, we also have started coupling some, we, sorry, counseling couples who have been struggling, whether after they're dating, trying to figure out where they're, if they should get married. And then we have, I think, three or four married couples that we work with pretty consistently. So what, <laughs> um, what email address for anyone that's listening that may be interested? Um, um Boykin at gmail.com. Okay. You can just email me um, and set up an appointment. I do a consultation on the phone to see what you need and what has made our business kind of thrive in that area is that we do it together. So I have the nice. clinical background and then we work practically as a couple. Nice. And then what nice. we found is it makes men more interested in coming because if it's just one person, they feel like it'll be slight, like bias, bias. It's a war bias. And so we, we sit with couples together. Nice. So yeah, awesome. we'll definitely add that information um, to the show information and, um, Thank you for kicking it with uh, RLJ and Kev on the Game Recognized. Thank you. Game this Podcast. has been great. We will great. come back 
check with us in six months when we're in Georgia. Let's do like an update. Yeah, we'll where are they now? Where are they now? We gotta do an update, man. We gotta do an update. Yeah. So we're excited about this next step. Yeah, I think you know, marriage is when marriage is good. Marriage is good. You know, it's the best thing. It it definitely enhances us. We balance each other out. We're better for it. Um, and that's yes. what you want for everybody. You have just witnessed another episode of the Game Recognized Game podcast with RLJ and Ken. Until next time, be light. Thank you.